Hello and welcome to a new episode of the ANZW podcast, where we amplify the voice and profile of incredible women and allies in the ServiceNow community across Australia and New Zealand, bringing the voices of diversity and inclusion to you, whether you're taking a coffee break, walking the dog, or like me, cleaning a week's worth of coffee mugs off my desk. I'm Katrina Reid, a Senior Principal Strategist in the Inspire Value Team, and today I'm here with Jen Fields, a Senior Manager in the Solution Consulting Business across Federal and Defence ServiceNow, and star of today's episode. Welcome, Jen. Hi, Kat. It's great to be here. Can you start by telling us a little about yourself and your career history? I started off actually wanting to do something very different to IT. I wanted to be an architect. And uh, so I started studying architecture and that didn't go very well for me. I, just, I discovered it was really hard. <laughs> I spent a bit too much time at the pub, I think. So I, um, I ended up <laughs> taking a little bit of a break and I fell into a job in an IT company just doing admin uh, for a semester. And it was while I was there that I started to learn about IT. So a couple of the the people that worked there started teaching me things, teaching me how to design databases, design applications and, and so forth. And this is back in the 90s. And I got really excited about technology while I was working there. And so I, I switched my degree to, to IT. So that was a long time ago. And since then, I've worked in a range of different industries. I've worked in higher education, in the private sector, in state government and obviously in federal government. A couple of um, pretty exciting roles I've had in my career include working at Parliament House during the John Howard era. Oh, wow. Where, yeah, <laughs> I ran the help desk in Parliament House for a couple of years, which was really interesting. That was during the, the time when um, George Bush came to, came to visit Australia as well, so it's pretty cool. And as in they shut down all of Canberra for that visit. And, uh, you know, I've seen some pretty interesting protests and things like that over the years as well. Uh, I did do a couple of years in Sydney as well. I worked for Hewlett-Packard there for, for a bit and a little bit of time in the banking sector. And then um, when I decided to start a family, I went back to federal government just because it, it seems like uh, a safe and stable uh, place to work. During my time in, in federal government, I, I did some pretty cool roles like I was the head of whole government architecture for federal government and whole government governance and policy. And during that time, I launched the first cloud policy for the federal government under the Chamble government. And across the, that, that whole period, I, I took some time off as well to have some kids. So I had some I had a couple of breaks in my career where I, I took time and spent time at home, uh, firstly with my two sons uh, and then later with my twin daughters as well. And um, it, I was on maternity leave actually with my twin daughters when um, a colleague of mine here at ServiceNow reached out and and lured me to come and work here. <laughs> so, <laughs> that was nearly seven years ago now. So my twins are, are eight years old now. Wow. So you you actually went from designing buildings to designing IT solutions. Like you you went from the well, physical to the virtual to or digital. <laughs> I never actually designed any buildings. <laughs> I didn't get that far. But um, certainly have always had 
you know, a balance of sort of creativity and um, technical capability, uh, which is sort of why I've landed in solution consulting and, and love it, I guess. For our listeners, can you describe um, what your current role is today and what you love most about it? Yeah, so I've been working as a field solution consultant for, for quite a number of years here at ServiceNow. Uh, and then a year ago, I moved into managing the team of federal solution consultants. Uh, so that's been an interesting shift. I've done a lot of management roles in the past, though, so it wasn't, it wasn't that difficult to make that transition. But certainly, I'm not as hands-on now. Uh, with the technology as I have been. I'm sort of missing that a little bit. I really love working in a role where I get to inspire and help other people. And in this role, that means inspiring and helping our customers to adopt emerging technology, to be brave with it and to actually make significant change. So I enjoy that. And then, you know, sort of back of house, I really enjoy learning. I'm a lifelong learner. So this is a great place to work if you if you enjoy that. Uh, and I love working with high-performing people, people that you know, challenge the way I think, uh, that are fun to work with and, and bring a lot of energy uh, to the workplace. So we're really fortunate to have amazing people here at ServiceNow and that's one of the reasons why I've stuck around uh, is just because we get to work with great people. We've built um, a culture that is, you know, underpinned by trust I think and and that's a really important element uh, in any workplace. We are certainly very blessed with the people we get to work with every day. Do you find that uh, with the history that you've had working across different government organizations that that gives you a different perspective when it comes to encouraging customers to take those brave steps and to try new solutions? Yeah absolutely I mean when you've been on the other side and worked inside government you really get the, you really develop an understanding of the challenges that they have in what is a very bureaucratic organizational structure that gives me additional patience when I'm yeah. engaging with my customers <laughs> because I understand that it's very challenging for them to, to navigate the internal approval processes. As a manager, you obviously have a team of, of people. Are they a mix of experienced and, and junior solution engineers? And then how do you, you know, for those that haven't come with that industry background, how do you coach them on developing better empathy and understanding for the customers they serve? Yeah, so we've been through some interesting changes in federal. We actually went from a team of three solution consultants to a team of seven within six months. Wow. And so when I moved into this role, I had to just hire, hire, hire really rapidly. Um, and then since that time, obviously the team has been forming and enabling and trying to get their head around what it is we're doing. It's been a really exciting time, really challenging, but also really fun. And I made a point of trying to hire a balance of different people across the team because I think one of the things I've learned in, in solution consulting is that there there really is no one size fits all. It's extremely difficult and challenging to stay across the breadth of product that we now have. And when you're an account SC and you're aligned to customers, you have to go deep in terms of understanding those customers, but also stay right across every every product line. Now, in order to do that, we've got to find people that 
love to learn all the time, <laughs> um, understand government, and can pivot between going deep technical uh, and then step back and be big picture and strategic. It's almost impossible to find anyone who ticks all of those boxes. So I've hired people from a range of different backgrounds. So we've got folks that have a pre-sales background and then we've got folks who've come in from either support or training. And then we've got also some management consulting background folks. And that's brought a really good blend of different skill sets across the team. The other thing that I made a point of doing is to hunt down women for my team. Women don't apply, right? So I think, you know, we might get one or two women apply out of 20 applications. Uh, in order to find the right, the right women and to get a, a, a good diverse balance, across the team you actually have to you have to put in a bit of extra effort and find those people in the in the broader community and I've been really fortunate to have hired two amazing women into my team. Why do you think that is? What's holding women back from applying for these roles? Uh, I think it's a combination of things. I think one of them is um, a perception that uh, it is a male-dominated career and that perhaps they won't necessarily feel welcome or um, that they won't fit in. I think there's an element of that. I think there's also an element of reading the job description and not ticking every single box on it and therefore not applying. Uh, that's certainly something that I had to discuss with people and encourage people to be brave and apply anyway. The other uh, point is really around a perception that you'll be working 60 hours with no flexibility. And I think having being able to have a conversation with people about what the job looks like day to day, for them to see someone like myself doing that, balancing work and family, that certainly helped uh, attract females and give them confidence that, you know, walking into this role was a worthwhile thing to do and that they would have the right balance between work and family. Being able to see that in action with a real person makes a big difference. It is a really big thing, isn't it? Being able to see other people successfully balancing work and life. And, you know, certainly from my experience, this industry is probably better than most in making that possible. Um, back in the 90s, my mum actually said to me when I was at school, you should get a, you know, you should move into tech, get a career in IT because you'd be able to have kids and work from home. And I think back then people were sitting there going, you know, we didn't even know what tech was. And yet here I am today juggling kids, working from home, living the dream. And I, I absolutely agree. I think more more women need to see that, not need to see that that's possible. And not just women, you know, there's lots of, there's lots of men out there that, that you know, um, become parents and want to get a better balance between between work and life and making sure that they're at the basketball games or dropping their kids off at school. Um, and the more that we make that normal, I think the more people start to recognise that that's, that that's a possibility. How cool is your mum? She's awesome. <laughs> How cool is your mum to give yeah. you that tip so early in life? You're blessed, I think, Kat, to have had that advice. Very blessed. And absolutely, it's not just about women at all. It's about it's it's about a new era of working.
So let's talk technology because ultimately we're both techies at heart. What are some of the emerging technologies that really get you excited? So for me, because I'm incredibly poor at typing, I'm particularly interested in natural language understanding and voice technology, (laughs) voice-driven technology. I think that's where we're heading in the future. Um, I really want to see more and more of that um, in the platform as we move forward. You know, virtual agent actually drives me crazy having to type to a chatbot. I just want to talk to a chatbot, right? So um, the more we can improve that capability in the platform, I think is really exciting. Um, You know, and then mobile everything and automation, right? So in terms of government, they're miles away from a lot of this capability, certainly federal government, state government's a little bit further ahead. Um, And so there's a lot that we have to do just to get the foundations right in federal first for them to then be able to adopt these more exciting technologies. So some of the things that we're working on in federal, which I'm really excited about because it it will will be a massive game changer in terms of the way federal government operates is multi-instance architectures, cross-domain solutions, cross-portfolio, portfolio shared services, cross-agency workflows, and then also the ability to have um, you know, edge instances that are disconnected from core instances. So we're exploring a whole range of complex architectures in federal that um, solve for things like different security tiers, uh, solve for things like machinery of government change and uh, effectively underpin and enable the way government really operates, which is not within a single agency. It's very much uh, you know, workflows across uh, government agency borders, uh, right into other agencies and obviously into state government, into, into private sector as well. So how do we actually transform federal government to be able to push those workflows beyond their own boundaries uh, in a digital way? That sounds like a big step towards us really addressing this challenge of citizen experience and treating every citizen as a whole person and not you know, a citizen of an individual department. Absolutely. It's, it is about citizen experience, but it's also about government, um, the public service as a whole being able to be more responsive to the government of the day. Kat, we're in a very different era of federal government or, and state government in that the government of the day is exposed in social media in a completely different way than it's experienced before. That means it has to be more responsive because its reputation is constantly on the line. You combine that then with the environment where we have um, a huge increase in natural disasters. You have a situation where the government of the day has to be seen to be responsive almost minute by minute uh, and is subject to scrutiny like never before through social media and other media outlets. So the public service can't keep up with this. We need to be able to digitise the public service in a way that enables them to be more responsive to the government of the day and give government confidence to make decisions faster and for government to then be more responsive to citizens. So yes, that's about service delivery, but it's also about being able to roll out new government programs and facilitate government policy Uh, more rapidly than ever before. 
And we have we were successful in doing this during COVID with some um, home affairs where we rolled out the visa repatriation service, stood that up within six weeks. And we were able to do that because we had a great relationship with the Department of Home Affairs. Uh, and they were already a a customer of ours. I guess another really great example of that is the work that was done with New South Wales Health around vaccine, the rollout of the vaccine. Um, From my understanding, that was stood up pretty quickly as well, another good example of having to mobilise to an ever-changing world. That's right. And these are great stories of being able to stand up technology really quickly, which it takes a lot of courage for government to do that, make the decision and roll it out and to be able to deliver it successfully, meet the needs of its constituents uh, and then, you know, have a great story to tell afterwards. There is certainly a lot of pressure and scrutiny. I don't think, I certainly don't envy the role that they have to play today in, in responding so quickly and answering to the public minute by minute. Don't think I could cope with that. Well, I think there's a reason we're not running for office, Kat. <laughs> <laughs> so let's talk, uh, let's talk careers a little. What, what is the best advice you've received from a mentor or a coach that has served you well in your career? Well, the best piece of advice I've heard, not, not specifically from, directly from a mentor or a coach, is advice that I heard from John Donohoe, our former CEO, who I did have the the privilege of of meeting with John a couple of times, which was nice. But John and his wife both have obviously pretty challenging full-on careers and they also have four children. Uh, And as a a parent of four children myself, I I felt some alignment to that. And he delivered a great speech to Stanford Business School where he spoke about the different changes he and his wife went through as as they as their family grew and how they were able to then balance their personal ambitions uh, with with supporting their family. Now, he talked about how he went into Bain & Co and was ready to to say, look, I don't think I can do this job anymore. I think I'm going to have to resign because his wife had just been given an amazing opportunity and the two of them just couldn't figure out how they were going to balance everything and how. He was he was fully prepared to do that, went in and, and talked to his boss about the situation and was just really honest and open about the challenges that his family was having. And then his boss said, well, you know, I think we can figure something out here. And they were able to come up with a solution that allowed him to retain his role and support his family. And so he speaks about effectively looking at all of the different options and coming up with creative solutions to, to solve for the challenges that you're facing. And when I heard that from someone like John in the role that he he's in, obviously now CEO of Nike, it filled me with confidence to be able to do that here at ServiceNow. So uh, I've had a number of personal challenges. Obviously, we've all had you know challenges through COVID with juggling work and family. And uh, I'm a single parent of four kids, and that's been a very interesting roller coaster ride through COVID to, to balance that. And um, I was fortunate, you know, I sort of held on to that advice and uh, maintained a really open dialogue with my manager. And yeah, and was, I was able to, to figure things out. And one of the other things that I've done is just learn to hire help when I need it. So um, over the years, I've had a lot of hired babysitters, but I've also had hired helpers that I would 
<laughs> have come into the house to just do things like fold laundry or you know make kids breakfast and things like that um or or come in just so I could go to the gym or go for a hike or something like that and the purpose of that was uh, just around achieving balance across family responsibilities work responsibilities my own personal health and need for um, some some time to myself as well so that's been great advice for me and has is something that I think about on a regular basis if I feel sort of stuck or that things are getting too overwhelming, I'll sit back and think, you know, what are what are all of the options available to me here and how can I make the best of this situation? So just playing back that story, it sounds like there were there were two positive factors at play. One is a manager in an organization that had created a culture of psychological safety where where an employee felt they could come to them and explain the situation they were in, but also an employee that was prepared to open up and, you know, be honest about the challenges they were facing in life. Um, is that something that you that you consciously think of in the way that you manage your team as well, making sure that you're having that open dialogue about how people are coping during the pandemic and balancing, you know, responsibilities and, and things outside of work? Yeah, I mean, I'd certainly like to think that I'm now bringing that to my team. I guess you'd have to ask them, Kat. <laughs> If wow. feel like that. maybe that's a follow-up episode <laughs> I think they I think they do feel sure an element of psychological safety I am um, you know I certainly don't hide from work um, my personal life right so I feel pretty comfortable admitting to, to folks if I've you know, I've had a bad morning with the kids or <laughs> or um or you need more coffee. <laughs> or I need a lot more coffee. As we right? kicked off the conversation. So. <laughs> so clearly you have a very, very active and busy life, um, supporting some customers dealing with incredible challenges. Uh, raising four kids, you know, um, looking after a team and, and coaching and mentoring them. What fuels you outside of work? One of the things I make a point of doing is scheduling time to do nothing, and <laughs> which sort of sounds a, a bit silly, I guess, but quite a number of years, probably 10 years ago now, I um, took up yoga. And so I definitely use yoga as, as a way of just stopping uh, every, every other sort of thing coming into my head that's a way that I clear my head and have some time to myself I love going to the gym so I actually do heavy lifting strength training as well which I enjoy makes me feel powerful and strong I play a bit of golf I like to go hiking uh, in the bush around Canberra and I also like to get down the coast a bit for a swim when I can all through my life I've also uh, been quite creative so I spend a bit of time now and then doing drawing or illustrative work not as much as I probably should but uh, certainly have a love of the arts as well. Is that a side hustle yet? No no <laughs> I never shall be <laughs> but um, I'm a person that because I am busy and active a lot during the weekdays I like to be slow and intentionally so in my own personal time, I like to sort of chill like a sloth. <laughs> well, they do say that we have two careers. So it sounds like your second career is going to be um, 
is going to be what launching your own artistic line of gen originals no (laughs) (laughs) absolutely zero intent to apply any business lens to to the the things that I enjoy just for the for, for the point that they that I don't have to think about it from that perspective you know so the whole purpose of art uh, or, or expressing oneself creativity for, for me anyway is to be able to immerse yourself in that activity. I don't ever want to apply a business lens to art because then I'd be judging what someone else thinks of it rather than um, in just enjoying it. I love that. I also love the idea of embracing a sloth. I think a lot of us could learn from that. So let's wrap up with a few fun questions. What is our favourite book or podcast? I I actually love philosophy um, and my favourite book is uh, a philosophical love story called The Unbearable Lightness of Being by Milan Kundera, the Czechoslovakian book (laughs) uh, from the 80s and it explores a love story uh, around lightness and weight in the context of life and love and responsibilities and burden. So there's, there's two main characters. One is a, a light person in that they they don't really carry burdens through life with them. They don't really attach themselves to anything. And um, their other half in the book is a, a heavy person uh, weighed down by emotions and responsibility. And so the book um, explores the differences between those different uh, types of people and and how they experience life. Best movie or TV show to binge watch? The complete opposite. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, I'm pretty much obsessed with Ferris Bueller, which is a bit sad. I've probably watched it about 50 times and know every line of it. <laughs> it is a classic. It's just fun. I, I just you know it makes me laugh every time without fail. It is a gift to the next generation. A place everyone must visit in their lifetime. Yeah, so a, a place that I absolutely love and is very special to me is um, Lanikai Beach in Hawaii on the island of Oahu. I actually lived in Hawaii for two years and uh, lived about an eight-minute drive from this place. There's an amazing hike uh, at the back of the beach called the Lanikai Pillbox that has a couple of World War II pillboxes up there, incredible views. And then when you walk down to the actual beach, it's just one of those wonderful places that looks like a postcard. Uh, the water is warm all year round. It's And and everyone would recognise it because it, it's that beach with the two little islands uh, popping up in the distance. And you can actually, you can kayak out to those islands and you swim with the honu that's the big green turtles and it's just like it's like a dream landscape well jen it has been an absolute pleasure chatting with you today thank you for joining and sharing your story it's been an absolute pleasure thanks so much for having me that's all for now thanks for listening make sure to join our linkedin group to continue the conversation and connect with all of our guests on the show You can find us on the ANZW podcast homepage, as well as Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. And if you know someone with a great story to share, drop us a note. We would love to hear from you. Have a great week and we will see you next time. 